You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. And then. We're good to go. Alrighty, guys. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This week, we have part one of a two-parter on something we constantly talk about, uh, and that is how crypto, the Dow Jones, and the reserve list mirror each other. So we're actually going to dive into the nitty-gritty. So this week, we're going to present the data. Yep. That's it. Here's our data. This is what we're looking at. This is a little bit of context of the data. Part two next week, here's what we think that data means. So to start off with, we picked some basic cards to look at for magic in the reserve list. Uh, they're staples. They have various levels of liquidity, and they're playable. Mm -hmm. Guy's Cradle, UC, Black Lotus. Yes. Everybody knows them. They're tried, true. They're blue chips. Uh, then we each also picked another card on the reserve list for a reason and you picked i went with dream halls so in my investigation i was looking for a card that pretty clearly demonstrated the cyclical nature of what we see when people swing trade in and out of the reserve list and there are a lot of really good examples and a lot of the high-end reserve list as we will see kind of reacts to various markets but because dream halls was so cheap for so long and has such a narrow field of play, the price graph that we see with Dream Halls makes it very clear when people move into and out of, importantly, out of this card. Uh, and I picked Grim Feast because I am a reserveless slumlord. And very similarly to Dream Halls, I wanted to show something that mirrored the cyclical nature of the reserveless, but did it in a way that was less tied to playability mm -hmm. because dream halls historically has seen legacy yes. play. It sees a lot of EDH play. Grim feast has never seen play in anything except for casual EDH. So I wanted to basically take a look at the market that controls it and what that looks like. Yep. Yeah. It was actually very hard to find a reserveless card for me that showed that nature and was not playable. I ran into that a lot, actually. Uh, yeah. It was very clear to see trends in old school and middle school and pre-modern, affect reserveless cards so in doing something like this it became tantamount to try and suss through what i could from the reserveless and find a card that just didn't see periphery play like you like you do with grim feast it just wasn't a card that came to mind yeah so uh the other thing we did was we basically wanted to take a look at the last couple of years and that will become clear when we talk about the comparisons between the dow yep. crypto and the reserve list it's been kind of interesting yep. so we wanted to start strong in a regulated market so we wanted to take a look at first the the dow right. so yes that's where we wanted to start it's the standard everybody knows it you grow up you watch the five o'clock news and of course there's the ticker at the bottom well you probably weren't watching it your parents were anyways you saw the, you know it you hear about it all the time everybody's been exposed to it at some point it's kind of why we wanted to start there mm -hmm. so to start with 
we'll take a look at January 2020. So this is fresh off elections, everything, and all of a sudden, what happens in March of 2020? You take a look at this three-year graph, and we see the Dow Jones take a dump, bigger than the one Andrew Lloyd Webber took on musical theater when he decided that's what he wanted to do with his life. Just craters. Uh, COVID. That's, that's been one of the most important driving factors in the financial market for the last few years. Uh, March 2020 was when lockdown started. Uh, that's when we started seeing supply issues, everything else. People were staying home from work. Everyone was horrified that the economy was going to be crippled. That was it. We're all going to die. It's terrible. Get rid of it. Uh then throughout that year, we see a little bit of recovery periodically, and then we see another dip in late October, early November of 2020. Now, this was twofold. Uh, this was, you know, we renewed a lot of lockdown guidelines, and people weren't sure if the new variant was going to shut things down even more. And this was right after we decided it was safe to open back up. Mm -hmm. Also, election time. What happens just about every four years? The economy kind of takes a dump yeah. during election time because guess what there's a lot of uncertainty around that and that's kind of been the story for most of the history of the dow jones outside of literally covid caused the biggest crash percentage wise in the history of the stock market it was like 20 percent that it shrunk over a week which is absurd um that was it those were the two big things we have a few you know little seesaws here and there June, we have a peak of around 27, and then we drop a whole 10% in a day down to 25 and quickly recover. So what we see is a little bit of outside factors mm -hmm. in a economy which is strictly regulated by the government, but still has outside influences on it. Uh, environmental factors, global factors, all kinds of things that we just can't control, uh, which compared to crypto, which is an unregulated market, uh, drastically different. Yes. Yep. Uh, still related a lot to it goes on the uh, economy in general. One of the things that spurred in this conversation was this year uh, in 2020 to the U.S. tax return percentage by date was very low historically through April and into May. And a lot of things stagnated. So things like the reserve list and also movement into crypto and other financial opportunities when people receive that little bit of stimulus. And that's not really something I touch on when I, I went through this because while it is a driver, it's not as much of a driver for per movement into or, or out of crypto. And to start the section off, I looked at three of the larger coins, the most stable coins for the longest in Bitcoin, in Ethereum, and Litecoin. And there are a lot of other options to look at, but these have provenance as some of the longest running coins, some of the most respected ones, and some of the more stable options out there. So first, we take a look at Bitcoin in 2020, in 2020 and we start the year at about $7,000. Now, by February, we hit about 10K. Then there's a retraction in early March, 
and we fall off a cliff on March 10th all the way down to about 5k from that 7.9. Eventually we recover through the end of April and we stay, see steady growth and an eventual jump all the way through to August. From here in August, we plateau for a little bit. We retract because reasons that I couldn't find. And then essentially at the end of October is just unbridled growth through the end of the year. And we end January, 2021 at $29,000. Now we're going to see some similar things with uh, Ethereum. We are going to see again, uh, some lags, some dips, some sawtooth, some plateaus, and the dates are relatively the same. We start the year at one at one hundred and twenty-seven dollars. We hit two eighty-four by mid-February. We sawtooth for a while. We hit one hundred and ninety-four in the middle of March, right before we fall off a cliff on March tenth. We eventually recover to $214 in mid-April, or towards the end of April. And from here, Ethereum actually gains moderately until mid-July. We are about $236-ish, and then we jump to 385 at the end of July. Uh, there's a bit of a retraction until unchecked growth at the end of October. And we end the year at $730 for Ethereum. The, the last one, Litecoin, is actually almost a one-to-one -one with the Bitcoin graph. But the same, we see the same things again. We see growth at the beginning of the year starting at $40. We hit 83 in mid-February. By the middle of March, we continue to retract to about 50, and then we fall off a cliff on the 10th. Now, yep. Litecoin plateaus for a very long time after it recovers. And from there, it just jumps from 44 to 55, like Bitcoin does in July. It plateaus, it retracts from that plateau for a little while, and then unbridled growth from the end of October to the end of the year, closing out at $126. So it is a really interesting year for crypto. And the entire market, through the research that I did, basically rose into March, crashed, and eventually recovered. Now, what I couldn't find is if there was a, immediately if there was a kind of a gambler's fallacy here where people just thought it can't keep going lower, so we'll just hold. Um, but when we come back and we start comparing things like the reserve list, we will see that people do swing and they will swing back to their coins de schwa once things go up so that's a lot of that spike into plateaus that we saw now this is the uh the crash of 2020 this is a manipulated market and a lot of this was done through uh, from what i could find basically choking the 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 networks um they basically through the use of essentially a bot network created stuck transactions 
it, which then uh, created mempool compression, which basically meant that nothing could happen. It just slowed uh, the majority of the networks it was uh, impacting. And this is nicknamed hammer botting. Uh, yeah. So it's just automatic transactions generated by bots that amplify previous problems in the network. And that created, you know, this kind of run to exit the market when everything just kind of locked and froze. And so we see this really swingy market where people are just, they're just in and out, in and out. You know, things start to tank and they just get out. And then they come back when when things look better. And there is that kind of tie-in to the Dow. The, um, there was that drop on, you know, March, what did we see? Like March 25th? March 10th. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the Dow yeah. was March 25th, which is oh, like yeah. Yeah. two weeks after, you know, the, the crypto just dump. But those don't; those are uh, not necessarily related. Yeah. Just pure happenstance that they happen, you know, back to back. the The data that comes out of this, once you start digging through the these coins, what went on, the stock market on the whole, and then the reserve really do paint an interesting picture. Um, what I found a little more interesting than 2020 was 2021 from a crypto perspective. But as far as the Dow concern is concerned, everything looks pretty decent, right? We're just on the up and up. Pretty standard, yeah. So there's, you know, a little bit of a lull in late January, early February. And then interestingly, all of a sudden, in early March, we just stay up. Uh, well, you know what happened in March of 2021? stimmy checks mm -hmm. so all of a sudden oh the economy is getting back to normal we have more faith in the dow jones and in the products it delivers so the traditional market sees this and all of a sudden reacts as traditional markets do if there's more money available there's more money to spend we'll make more money uh, and that generally continues up until about august september 2021 uh, there's a little bit of uncertainty about what's going to happen, you know, with further stimulus checks at that point. That was when we had another surge of coronavirus. Yep. So yet again, uncertainty, whatever. And then we just finish literally uh, the all-time high of the Dow was late December, early January. So we finish on a very strong note for 21, but pretty much just a constant upward slope. Mm -hmm is what you're looking at from the Dow Jones. Uh, recovery hits, people start going back to work, and your traditional regulated economies all of a sudden decide, cool, we'll make a recovery. Right. To me, the interesting thing was, you know, kind of the inverse of with crypto. When stuff like, you know, inc an income tax return or an economic stimulus check or something like that comes out, you wouldn't think the traditional markets benefit as much as the non-traditional do. Mm -hmm. You know, most people that have that, if they're going to want to impulse move into an asset, they'll go for something that's more approachable, which, believe it or not, to me, would be crypto. Because I can literally use the PayPal app on my cell phone to buy crypto. Yep. But we see traditional markets do it now. So that was... 
the best takeaway for me from the year mm-hmm. was seeing, okay, economy's fine, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah, people have a little more expendable income, and then, yeah, they can begin to move it however they see fit. Yeah. From a, a crypto perspective, things are pretty interesting. So I'm going to I'm gonna show the, the graphs for, for Bitcoin and Litecoin and, again, show how they're basically tied together. So we, we start the year pretty decently, you know, a, a lot of uncertainty for, for Bitcoin coming out of 2021. But eventually, at the end of January, we just see, again unchecked growth and we sawtooth for a while we hit some all-time highs we drop back down and we just sawtooth from all-time high back to a new floor up until the the crash at the beginning of may at which point bitcoin crashes over the next two months down to the lowest point in the year eventually recovers crashes again recovers to a brand new high sawtooth for a while and then crashes into the end of the year which is a lot of ups and downs for an unreal even in an unregulated market like this and litecoin basically looks the same but the graph is a little more out of proportion because uh right around right before it crashes it's all-time high compared to where it had been previously just this the multiplier is ridiculous but these two graphs are basically the same just with uh one data point skewing it. Now, Ethereum is completely different because 2021 was basically the year of the NFT and Ethereum is the host network for everything. Your your apes, board or not, your skeletons, your kitties, your cereal, everything is on Ethereum right now. There are other networks that these can that these can be hosted on like Cardano, but people are sticking with Ethereum. So 2021 just sees unbridled growth for Ethereum. We do have a crash uh, right at that early May period, but after that, it's just growth to the end of the year with a, a little bit of lull. Now, what looked to just absolutely crush the market that wasn't Ethereum is this kind of threefold attack on the crypto market that leads to trader panic. So uh, Elon Musk tweets, Tesla has suspended vehicle purchases using Bitcoin. Shortly thereafter, JP Morgan reported that institutional investors are dumping, dumping Bitcoin and going back into gold. Two days later, China calls for crackdown on Bitcoin mining and trading. That last part was expected. People deep into the cryptocurrency market knew that this could happen, and so it was impactful, but not as impactful as the other two. Now, this leads into trader panic. Trader panic is basically, when it comes to cryptocurrency, volatility is in its nature, but when prospects look more doom and gloom, traders panic, they sell and stop trading. Therefore, the prices come crashing down. This is a gradual sell-off in risk assets. That's what cripples the rest of the cryptocurrency market. While that's happening, though, the suggestion is to move into Ethereum because it is the host for NFTs, which are picking up in popularity. There was also a push while Bitcoin was crashing as hard as it did to move into Litecoin, which could have absorbed a bit of the shock 
from that crash. But that is basically 2021 in a nutshell for a cryptocurrency. Elon Musk and JP Morgan combine their powers to crush the market, stagnate growth for the majority of the year by creating these weird, wonky uh, uh, sawtooth spikes while Ethereum just runs away. Granted, both Bitcoin and Litecoin did... uh, Bitcoin ended up... Litecoin looks to have ended up slightly. You gained a whole $14 on the fiscal year if you're into Litecoin. If you're in Ethereum... You went from 32k a coin to 47, so you, you still made a, a handy profit if you were able to move your coins. But that was the market in 2021, and that's what I found pretty interesting was that these three elements combined to just single-handedly take down that market, and it's happening again in 2022. We are currently in a tailspin for the entire market. This time, Ethereum is involved, NFTs on the whole. And whether or not we it recovers, if it recovers as strong as it did, we don't know. Also of note, uh, we've mentioned before when talking about Bitcoin in the reserve list that Bitcoin is cyclical. 2021 was the end of the four-year Bitcoin cycle, the, the first time where it wasn't just steady growth, where people just couldn't yeah. predict the end uh where bitcoin would end that year it broke that cycle so now bitcoin is just kind of off in its own little world and it's to me it's interesting seeing like how the different coins compare to different types of things on the reserve list as well right so when you talk about those staples you know your cradles your lotuses your uc lotus is you know to me bitcoin's the closest analog yeah Right. Like it's it's not close. Uh, You know, incidentally, I think UC is kind of like Ethereum in that, you know, it has the liquidity, the playability, the accessibility, the utility, really, Mm -hmm. to be in everything. And Ethereum kind of has that. And then you have Cradle. Incidentally, it's kind of like the Litecoin. I I think Cradle is more 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 like a lot of what's coming out now, which are proof of stake coins to take over something like Ethereum, because Cradle could be as liquid as UC or more, because it has that's fair more more broad appeal. It's just the the rarity of it and the the price point of it of it turns people off. But I I think it is more like something new and as such should be treated like that just to kind of to go off the rails on that one a little bit i think dream halls is more like litecoin (laughs) i i think grim feast is just (laughs) yeah but i don't think no no that's that's a lie you probably would wrap a nascar with grim feast yes i would absolutely like they they wrapped a nascar for doge (laughs) yeah i I would 1 million percent buy a NASCAR and paper that thing with Grim Feast. Yeah, you wouldn't even buy one wrap. You would just paste Grim Feast to the car. A bunch of Grim Feast, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I rescind my statement. Yeah. For for comparison's sake, when when I look at Lotus, it doesn't trend well with crypto. It looks like it trends more like it would with the Dow. So that's what I found, was that it kind of has that traditional like all right well we know this is the card right this has been the card since cards existed 
this was the one. Yeah. And kind of like that staple Dow Jones, S&P, NASDAQ. These are the things you know. Mm -hmm. You know what they do. They make money. You don't know how. You just know every time you make a deposit in your IRA or your 401k, it grows. Cool. It's magic. There it is. Yes. I'm going to bring up the graph real quick while we're talking about it. Because if you look at stocks, it's difficult because these stepwise motions are individual sales. It's not smooth and gradual. But if you were to do a scatter plot graph, you could see a slope on Lotus yeah. uh, that is actually kind of similar to what you see in the in the Dow. Like Yeah. It it hits that high and then it actually starts to retract a little yeah. bit. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, we're not at the highs that we were, you know, fall beginning of this year when incidentally, January 2022, we hit the all time high in the Dow. Uh, Pretty much, you know, late December, early January was all time high for Lotus. So mirrors that very closely, actually. Uh, I'm also glad that we looked at this because, you know, the thing I noticed incidentally, it boosts as well. Because, you know, contextualizing the data is important. When you look at the Lotus graph, like you said, it's single card sales. This card doesn't move on TCG player. This moves on Facebook groups and private sales at booths, all kinds of stuff. The buy list number is lower than it was in Japan six months ago. Mm -hmm. Because now people can travel a little bit more and we're seeing that kind of reflected in the price. So there's more access. So that that was an interesting thing to see out of this for me. Um, was there anything about Dreamhulls? Yeah, so I have a Dreamhulls. I have the most notes about because of the graph itself. Uh, where is it? So Dreamhalls is this fantastically sawtooth graph, and if you're looking at this now, you can see it comes barreling into the end of the into the end of 2019 into 2020 at a a negative slope where we're, we're yeah. losing traction on dream halls. But what I'm, what I was interested in was like these stepwise parts that we see these, this growth and retraction that just is constant on, on dream halls and in a non secular uh, fashion too. It's not like every six months here goes dream halls. No, it's um, so January 10th. Sorry. In January, it's $10 in May. It's a whole $11 then it just leaps and bounds to $27 yeah. in, when did we hit that? Like September-ish? Yeah, that was like September-ish. As people were kind of moving out of, is it, yeah, uh, at a Litecoin. There's uh, the, the plateau that I mentioned, I believe. Yeah, so let me bring yeah. this back up. These plateaus in Litecoin that happened in August and the drop here uh, at the end of August into September and similarly with Bitcoin, August into September, that that dip, you can see where it plateaus, people can throw money into the reserve list because it's right around uh, the end of August into early September, we start seeing this big jump, then it peels back off into January 2021 when we see our next big spike as we come out of the the new year and 
Bitcoin also takes a dump at the beginning of the new year. And Litecoin also takes a dump at the beginning of the new year. Well, here we are. Here's Dream Halls going from $28 to $69. Right right around that same time. And we start seeing this kind of mirrored action between the reserve list and a card like Dream Halls and the volatility in the crypto market that people are swing trading essentially out of crypto into either more liquid assets or into more stable assets. And I assume you would find this in the stock market as well if we began breaking down all of the stocks available at that given time. But that's not what we're here for. We're here for the reserve list. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing looking at the DreamHalls graph to me is it seems like every time we get back towards, like a little bit below where the spike was, all right, let's go up. And then it gradually settles back to the higher number and oh, goes up. And now, you know, we've been kind of plateaued since October. Yeah. Maybe we see that again. Uh, especially since crypto just took a dump. Yep. That's what I'm, I don't want to say that's what I'm hoping for, but that's kind of what I'm looking for now. Yeah. And what kind of sparked the timing of this episode? Because a lot of the reserve list has been flat. One of the things that I'm trying to figure out. And this is like the last point I have about dream halls and the crypto market in in general is if we take a look at dream halls and we see, okay, on September 28th ish is when we start our last, the last time we see a normal graph for this car before it spikes again. Yeah. Right. It goes up to the 75 by October 20th. It holds for about a month and a half and now we're on the downswing so to me this is people just swinging into the asset and swinging out of the asset so again that's september 27th basically until until december 4th and when we take a look at like the bitcoin graph we see yeah right at the end of september Bitcoin starts to take off again in 2021 and it stays that way and eventually starts to peel back down. And that December date, when DreamHall starts coming back down, Bitcoin is already in the middle of a crash. Similarly with uh, Litecoin, September 27th, it's up, 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 up. Uh, It peaks super high in the middle of November, crashes back down. And at the tail end of November, crashes basically into the new year. And that's like the last time that these graphs... Sorry, that's like really the only time these graphs are kind of at odds with one another. And it made me curious to know what was going on with the crypto market. Because generally speaking, if people are moving out of Bitcoin at any rate to buy into the reserve list, these numbers won't spike as hard as they do it'll take a little while longer because while there is movement in the bitcoin market all the time when people dump a decent amount it does impact the market it does slow that market and i'm and i oh sorry i think this might be a sign that people are there just 
separating out their finances. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting that while that massive crash is going on in October, uh, we see the opposite in the Dow. Uh, in that October, we're surging. We hit an all-time high at the end of December into early January. And sure, it's been a little bit downhill since. We have you know a war going on in Asia. There's a bunch of stuff that contributes to that. But while those markets were kind of not crashing in the case of the reserve list, but seems like it in the case of crypto, your traditional market saw a surge. So that was also interesting to me in the comparison. Yeah. And it's the only card in the bunch that we're looking at that reacts that way. Everything else yeah. is, is flat through that time. Yeah. Um, even Grim Feast looks to be fairly flat. Dream Halls is the only one that holds this weird little stipulation. And I think part of that is just people are buying in and moving funds around, but because it's staying this high, it's floating this high, and it looks like we're going to head to a market correction where $47 is the new floor over 36 that there might just be assets being withheld from the market. And I think this is people putting their money somewhere else yeah. that isn't crypto because of what I mentioned before, that trader panic. Yeah, the Grim Feast, conversely, is a very interesting one. So looking back 2020, it's a absolute just flat land. It's marsh flats. It's a bad fetch land. Uh, until the cabal hits it in late August, early September, and we spike it up to a glorious $15. That's when, if you search my name in sick deals, you'll see a bunch of them for sale for eight. Uh, then we kind of flat out again. And then all of a sudden, come early 2021, stimmy checks hit March, April, May, and what happens? A card on the reserve list that has very little liquidity and playability sees a surge. To me, this is less indicative of any greater financial powers than literally people hearing, I need to buy everything I can on the reserve list. Yep. It's that you know, echo chamber that as a reserveless slumlord, I love because you made my Ember Wild Caliphs a $1 buy list briefly, which was a 10x for me. That was great. Thank you. But you're wrong and you shouldn't do it. Uh, it's it's not smart. You know, you, you want your, either your blue chips, Cradles, UCs, Black Lotus, or you want something like Dream Halls that has playability, that isn't just a penny stock, so to speak. If you're going to do a penny stock, be a man and go for Sarkin's Unseen. They didn't reprint it this year. They did not. Or this, this set. Year one is down. Or yeah, this set or something. Yeah. Um, but up. that was interesting to me because, you know, we talk about the cyclical nature of the reserve list and how every cycle new cards get added, right? Like it took forever for Fork to get included on this last upswing, but here we yes. are. All of a sudden we've got it now. So... It's interesting to see that and how it doesn't mirror other outside markets mm -hmm. like you would think it would. Um, yeah, that's all I got for Grim Feast. Yeah, but, yeah. and the, the the time that you were mentioning, like into that slide to end of year, like June, whatever, like all the crypto market, aside from Ethereum, is just in the middle of a of that crash in the summer. Like there, there's no nobody's swinging on this downtrend into yeah. into grim feast so just to, to play to your point yeah not not yeah. at all 
Um, but I think that's all I've got for this week. So this is part one of two, where next week we will discuss what exactly? Uh, so next week, we're basically going to discuss, all right, here's the data, here what, what we think it means, what's a sound investment in magic? What's, you know, your over your growth rates for crypto to S&P to our reserve list stables? Uh, we talk about how, you know, one outperforms the other. We actually want to contextualize all of the data and talk about how that relates to reserve list singles as a financial vehicle and what exactly all that stuff means. So that'll be part two next week at which point you will also get our picks for this episode series but until then we are at mtg cabalcast on twitter facebook patreon and youtube you can get the audio podcast wherever you can get an audio podcast if you want to reach me directly i am at i am at halt i am reptar on twitter you are at thirsty sizzler see you next week